here's Johnny. I'll be back. And you will know my name is the Lord. And I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Time, how do you define time travel? Is that's my question. Not how to define time. How do you define time travel? They are spiritually going to the past and going to the future, but they cannot physically interact with anything. They're they're apparitions there that are watching shadows of what was and what could be. Now, technically, they're if just you're going on a back and quest. seeing the shadow of what was, I still think that counts. You are retreating back into the past. You may not be a member of it, but you are viewing it. I feel like time travel is defined, would be in a sci-fi context, would be defined as you are able to physically go to the past or go to the future. This is more time projection. Also, I hate the ghost of Christmas present technically goes into the future. He's not actually from the present. Because he's showing you the next goddamn day. <laughs> it does cheat a little bit. He's more like the coast, the ghost of Christmas tomorrow. So I just don't trust a guy who fucking has two kids underneath his robe at all times, and he doesn't really tell you about it. What what are they doing down there? That is weird. That's really weird. And they're desperate, too. Like, he admits they'll do anything. And he's always laughing too much. Uh, he's getting tickled. I don't hey, like they- that guy. Can that be how you introduce yourself uh, next time we come over for Christmas? Just, behold, Jamie, look upon me! As you disrobe. That's why I like to, that's why I like to start my one-on-ones with my manager over Zoom. Uh, one thing before we move off of this idea of what is a time travel, uh, <laughs> it has bothered me extensively watching the Robert Zemeckis A Christmas Carol because we have extended segments where Scrooge just gets shrunk down to the size of like a bug and just has to run around London in fear of his life. Like he doesn't, he can't interact with anything. Right. And yet he's terrified of mice, cats, uh, the shit in the tunnel that he crawls through. This is a guy who thinks he's part of that world. And it's, and if it's not, then why are they wasting 20 minutes of the audience's time seeing Scrooge go around, have weird mini adventures when he could be learning a moral lesson. This drives me nuts. If you, that is true. If you are doing a fairly straightforward adaption of A Christmas Carol, where it's the same time period, it's the same adventure, it's not like a remix into a different setting or something like that, stop adding shit. Especially action scenes. Just do the fucking book. I think we're in agreement. A Christmas Carol should not be like a two hour long endeavor. Like you gotta, you gotta get in and get out. I think it hits best about an hour. Like you gotta move. Also, I suppose before we get any further in, we should start the episode proper. <laughs> Uh, well, we are three minutes in, so yeah, that's probably a good yeah. idea. It's it's for high normal. energy, though. Yeah. I like this. It's like, I'm glad we're bringing this level of rage for a Christmas. We just had to get pissed off first. Yeah. Started in a fight about what is Very time travel? Christmas. <laughs> Decrease the surplus population, Cody. <laughs> Let me crack open this beer. Come into Welcome the podcast and know me better, man. <laughs> Look at me! Uh, welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for a bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, and a fragment of an underdone potato. Uh, the one podcast that's equal parts gravy and grave. I'm your host, Cody, and joining me for this Christmas Carol special are my co-host, Mike. Say hello, Mike. Marley was a pedophile. And say hello, Jamie. I'm going to go past that. I'm just going <laughs> to skate on by. I like that this is my follow <laughs> <laughs> I plan. This is the George Bush doesn't like black people moment of the podcast. Like, uh, I'm Mike Myers, and I did not know he's going off script. I'm so sorry. Okay, Mike. Oh, oh Mike. Mike. <laughs> oh, well, God, Jamie. this chains he forged in life. Delightful. Okay, I just want to say. Mike, uh, <laughs> earlier my girlfriend made this joke, and I want to repeat this solely for you and about four listeners out there. Uh, a version of the of a Christmas Carol performed by the kids in the hall, where the ghost of Christmas past is Scott Thompson as the blowjob angel. <laughs> as soon as you said "kids in the hall," I knew that's where this was going. <laughs> It's just imagine him throwing the boombox into Ebenezer's window with, a, with Christmas hymns playing. 
<laughs> it, just, it just immediately just paints a picture in your mind, doesn't it? <laughs> the fact he blows an old man, <laughs> he still would. You would still give him the moral lesson, but then blow him at the end. Put on your cap! To get his mind off of Bell. <laughs> oh, I'll release Delightful. you, Ebenezer. Oh. Oh, oh, it's George C. Scott, who comes so hard. <laughs> it just cuts to him oh, weeping in bed and the change. Oh, oh. <laughs> We're fine! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So folks haven't guessed it, we're here today to discuss the thousand and one different versions of a Christmas carol that you can find online. I was shocked today. I was trying to find a specific Christmas carol on Tubi, and I typed in Christmas carol and my TV exploded. Uh, (laughs) Same thing. It's hilarious on every single app. They're all lousy with Christmas carols. Like they're talking dog movies on Amazon. There's more Christmas carols than Dracula's. It's astonishing. You just start scrolling through them and you realize like every animated show in the 80s produced a Christmas carol. Uh, There's musical adaptations. Fuck it. People back in 1910 were making these things, just cranking them out. The silent era was like, hey, we got to get some more ghosts in here. It's it's astonishing how many versions of a Christmas carol are out there. It's like a Christmas carol, Frankenstein, and the story of Christ. Like the second motion pictures were invented, we started telling these stories. There's so many of these things that, as we discovered, they occasionally double up on a Tiny Tim. (laughs) Which is, just imagine that's your life. Your typecast is Tiny Tim, the world's most pathetic boy. (laughs) Oh, it's like that Russian chick who kept showing up in 2000s video game movies. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I was going to say, I think A Christmas Carol makes sense as a silent film. Because one, you actually can tell it very fast. You can run through those things even back then, like, you can skip a lot of the details and just go, Ghost 1, Ghost 2, Ghost 3, done, Scrooge is a better guy. But if you look back, a lot of the really early, like, 1900, 1910 silent films were all really focused on trick photography, right? Yeah. They, they wanted to impress people by being like, hey, cool, we made Satan pop out of this cauldron with some smoke and, you know, we stopped the camera and put him in. That's cool. Or a lot of ghosts. A lot of ghost photography where it's, like, double exposure. And so A Christmas Carol gives you so many opportunities to play with those ideas because it's basically Scrooge fucks around with ghosts for a night. So I, I definitely see why that one was very appealing to early filmmakers because it gave them an in to kind of wow audiences. That said, the one I watched today from 1910 sucked balls. Get better early <laughs> cinema. What are you even doing? Awful, awful <laughs> translation. Most of the I'm not a huge fan of most of the early ones, surprisingly. I I do like the the Alistair Sim one from the 50s. I think there's I something like about the, it being in black and white. Like some of the 30, of yeah, some of the 30s, like yeah. there's one from 35, if I'm remembering dates, right? Just intrinsically are spookier yeah. in black and white, I think. And that really serves the early part of the movie. They almost need to do like a fucking uh, Wizard of Oz thing where at the end of the day, Scrooge wakes up and walks out into sepia tone or actual color and the whole rest of the movie's black and white. That would be cool. Once he's had, like, yeah, his, his moral transformation all of a sudden, the world's in color, I'm a joyous man, go buy some turkeys! Okay, oh, wait, wait, before we actually go any further, does anyone else get annoyed by Scrooge going to some fucking random street urchin? Boy, go buy the biggest <laughs> bird in the butcher shop. Every With time. With that money you have. Every time. Right, like, one, the kid must go up to the shop and be like, I don't know, put it on Scrooge's tab, he wants it. Uh, two... He's going to deliver it to Bob Cratchit without notifying Bob on the day of that he wants Bob to make the the (laughs) biggest goose in London. I don't know if Scrooge is just rich enough he doesn't understand that food takes time to prepare and cook. But this little family probably doesn't have the capacity to cook the biggest goose in town, nor do they have the time to do one. I would be so mad if someone just dropped off like a 20-pound raw bird at my house the morning of and said, Hey, man, having a party tonight. You cooking that? That's why uh, I appreciate c- comparing all of the different versions. It's interesting to see, like, the the things, like, certain adaptions will add to have those moments make more sense. Like, oh, and, like, the Muppet Christmas Carol, he gives money first instead of offering to give it when the kid brings the goose back. Yeah. Some other ones, he makes a big deal about it wanting to be a surprise for Bob Cratchit. Um in, in other ones, he's, he tells the kid to bring the guy back. So, okay, he's bringing the guy back to get paid. Mm-hmm. 
And then some just say like, boy, go use your money. Go buy that and then I'll give you some money. <laughs> the, the bird that's Also, if you're quick about described. it, I'll give you more. Yeah, yeah. Half a crap, which I don't know. I'm assuming that's a lot. Like, is he slipping that kid $100 to get a turkey? That's that a kid lot, should, yeah. That kid should probably, like, check himself. That seems like a scam. Well, the bird is specifically described as being as big as the child, too. How is he going to carry that? Uh, I, this is why I think the best version of this is Scrooged, where they have, like, the dramatic TV version of A Christmas Carol, and the guy flips the coin out of the building, and Bill Murray just catches it before he interrupts him with, like, enough of this bullshit, I'm now going to tell you about my day. I want to see the sequel to A Christmas Carol, where we see, like, 48 hours later, that bird is just maggot-infested on their front step, like the, the, yeah, the what hog Yeah, what are those Pearl? people gonna do? Yeah, are, they're gonna have to, like, smoke that entire turkey. I don't know how the Victorians managed their food poorly i guess yeah I, i'm assuming you know no refrigerators or anything if someone hands you a bird that's too big for a family of four to eat in one sitting what do you do with the rest can you keep those leftovers is there like a, a forever stew that they have going they just dump the bird in what do they do i like how scrooge giving this one family a large bird is like oprah cursing that studio audience with the cars they couldn't pay for <laughs> it feels that way like he means well but you're also like this fucking knob Tiny Tim dies because of all the money they pay for the taxes on that bird. <laughs> that would be the next thing. Yeah, someone's going to come and be like, hold on a minute here. Where did this bird come from? On your earnings? Looks like fraud. <laughs> Bob Cratch is, is, is uh, audited by the Victorian IRS. <laughs> I, I think it's just Scotland Yard at that point, right? We have to examine all your shillings with a fine-tooth comb. <laughs> <laughs> I shan't be at work tomorrow, Mr. Scrooge. I'm going to the gulag. <laughs> oh god that's so cruel <laughs> so uh th this kind of leads me into a movie we all just watched the first time because mike stumbled upon this uh I i'm trying to find it on imdb but i'm having difficulty because again there are a million films called a christmas carol this was a version from 2001 and it's a british tv movie that's about an hour long you can find it on tubi uh roku i think all the free streaming services Oh, and that, that, uh, it, that is uh, inaccurate. That's why I couldn't find it on IMDb. It came out uh, Christmas 2000, so it's listed some places ah. as 2001, but it's 2000 on IMDb. It took me like 20 minutes to find it. There, that does help. That gets me right to it. If you type in a Christmas Carol 2000 into your web browser, Which it'll take be the you title. right to it. I wish that were <laughs> right. It Hell is yeah. very, it 2000, very... a Christmas Carol 2000. It is very much a Christmas carol for a new millennium. Right. It's a modern telling uh, for 2000 about an unscrupulous loan shark who makes excuses for his uncaring nature and learns real compassion when three ghosts visit him on Christmas Eve. Mostly, though, it's the ghost of his murdered friend slash partner. We, it really fixates on, fixates on the Marley portion. Uh, and I like... My connecting bridge here was, I like this version because Scrooge doesn't just wake up the end and all of a sudden he's a nice guy throwing money at problems. Uh, he has a slow realization that he's an asshole and it parts, he's basically going through Groundhog's Day. He keeps going yeah. through Christmas Eve over and over. Uh, and there's times where he's trying to do more to help and then realizing his heart's not in the right spot so it doesn't come out correctly. Or just like, here, I'll give some money to dying Tiny Tim. And they're like, he is terminal. That money will not help. Thanks a lot. You did not think this through. Thanks, Scrooge. He's just shoving, like, gifts in people's faces and screaming at them to take it and, like, just forcing money. It's I, I was so taken with this, like, Groundhog Day-like wrinkle. And then and adding a bit of him, like, a Scrooge who is like, okay, I understand the concept of good, so I'll try to do that. But it's not from any place real. So it, it adds so <laughs> much to his arc of... Instead of just arriving at a place of, of being a better person, he goes through the motion of attempting to be that before he reaches full catharsis. Which doesn't come from nowhere. It's something that gets, that winds up in adaptations to varying degrees, but it's very uh, present in Dickens' novella, where Scrooge isn't stupid. He realizes halfway through, you know, the first ghost's visit, Oh, I get what you're doing here. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm going to be a good person now. I get it. Good job, everybody. And it, <laughs> yeah. Which is the realistic response to someone having an intervention, which is they will say whatever they can to make the intervention stop so you'll leave. Right. 
Plus, it's always bothered me in every adaptation. It gets to the end where it's like Scrooge knows that it's his course, but they still have to play it out and make him see his grave. Like, all right, we get it. We can probably speed this part along here. He's not dumb enough to think like, oh, it's some stranger who's also very rich and not liked by everyone else who's dead. It's so weird. So many adaptions. Occasionally, they'll do it where he just realizes right away that, no, this is all my shit that they're selling and whatnot. And then others have Scrooge play so fucking stupid. And my favorite thing in any adaptation where Scrooge is like, whoever this jackass is they're talking about must have sucked. Glad I'm not that guy. It's me? No! It's it's a very Homer Simpson reaction. <laughs> Glad I'm not that guy. Exactly. <laughs> but there is a, there is something I think a lot of adaptions miss, and with Scrooge's like kind of how his arc unfolds, and this like random 2000 TV movie where he's a loan shark, like I think captured it really well. Um, I think in the Muppet Christmas Carol commentary, I talked about how that is like the most believable arc for Scrooge for me for for whatever reason the way it's written and the way Kane plays it it's very there's a subtleness to it and it's the most believable um until I actually saw this where this one actually kind of like comes pretty close to like that same feeling it's something I I do like too about what they do with Scrooge to update this is Scrooge for once is not like a 70 year old man who has like a year to make good for a (laughs) lifetime of fucking around yeah like he's this version of Scrooge Eddie Scrooge uh is what, like 40 when this movie comes out? Yeah. yeah. So, 41. <laughs> On his IMDb, they, they for some reason chose the picture of where he's looking at his shiny cross that shows his face and, and his date of birth <laughs> yeah, and his date of death. <laughs> Which is hilarious out of context. Uh, it's just, oh, he's staring right at me. Uh, I like that, though, because it's always bothered me in writing that the ghosts find this old man who has like a year left if he keeps up his ways. And then he turns it all around, and then everyone's cool with him. Like, oh, no, he's a nice guy. He undid all that shitty stuff he's been doing for the past 60 years. And it's weird Marley waited seven years. It is very weird, yeah. Like, it, apparently, the ghost thing wouldn't work. It's like, hey, man, you got, like, five more years of this, but don't fuck around. You got to hurry it up. There was another version that de-aged him a little bit. Um, it's an animated one, Christmas Carol the movie from, I think, 2001 or something like that. Um 99 it's somewhere around there hmm. um uh, directed by jimmy murakami who did uh like when the wind blows and and stuff like that um interesting little movie um it drag it's a little bit draggy it's a little bit m- more morose it's animated on threes so it has like oh and like anime disney like fluid it's like super fluid animation so it's very weird and kind of it's startling to kind of get used to um, like Nick Cage plays Marley in it. Um, Kate Winslet <laughs> sings a song. Um, it oh, has this like is star studded. It has a we- really like random cast, but uh, that they de-age Scrooge too and allow him to have like an ending where he gets back together with Belle is very similar to like this version. Well, I, I think that's why they de-age it because like, oh, he's not it's too it's not too late for him to find love and give it a romance ending. Uh, I just like it from the thematic standpoint of boy, if like. Fucking Elon Musk gets to seven years old and turns around and just gives all his money away and dies like a day later. Does that undo all the shitty things he did previously in life? Eh. Whereas if you're like 40 years old and you make that change of mind and you live out your next couple of decades being a good person, that kind of balances more for me. I think it means more as an audience be like, no, now you should do it early. You should. (laughs) I mean, you can always do it later, but now's better. It's like investing in a 401k. That ending feels very earned um, in that in the crime version of Christmas Carol. With a whole subplot over whether or not Eddie Scrooge killed Jacob Marley. Yeah, I was not expecting a, a murder subplot to just kind of be the undercurrent of <laughs> this whole thing. Yeah, there are a lot of little twists like that that make things a lot more... It's weird saying this for a Christmas Carol, but a lot more personal in this version. Where instead of uh, of just uh, archetypal spirits, each of the ghosts are somebody with a personal connection to Scrooge. The ghost of Christmas past is his uh, abusive father. The ghost of Christmas present is just Marley again. And future is the spirit of the child he would have in the future if he gave up his life of crime, which is such a cool idea. 
Speaking of, you know, kind of twists on the formula, one, I think the reason so many genre fans are into A Christmas Carol, because I've noticed a lot of them really dig the idea of A Christmas Carol, and they watch 40 different versions every year. Uh, Mike, how many versions did you watch just to prep for this episode on like a week's notice? Nine. Nine. Exactly. Point. Case in point. I think it's like slasher films where we all love seeing an established formula that just gets a little tweak each time. So we have a general idea what's coming. And when it does a twist, you're like, ooh, a new wrinkle I didn't expect. That's Not definitely the case with the Christmas Carol because you can't just do a Christmas Carol anymore, right? No one would go see a plain ass Christmas Carol. Which makes me wonder, what is your favorite little wrinkle someone's done to reinvigorate the idea of A Christmas Carol and get it put back onto film or stage? Mine would be adding Muppets. I think that's the best way. <laughs> the to... Adding Muppets, yeah. I mean, that's still my absolute favorite. But honestly, after watching it yesterday, the fucking crime Christmas story, that has really shot up to like the near the top of my list. It, it may be out inching the George C. Scott version for me. It's doing a couple things, though, right? Because it's modernizing the story. Um and then it's it's kind of changing several regular aspects of it. Like, and almost all of them, Scrooge is just a moneylender or a very, very rich guy. In this one, Eddie doesn't seem like a multimillionaire. He's just doing pretty good as a loan shark, which they, they kind of transform Scrooge from being a miser into maybe an actual criminal. So there's... He does have, there's, he does have various wanted posters up everywhere. Yeah. So I think this one takes more liberties than a lot of other Christmas carols, which is fun. It could have been enough just to say, hey, we're modernizing this and all the characters will be doing their stuff in the year 2000 rather than. Yeah, which is what I was expecting going in. Like, okay, you just kind of do this and very simple. Like, no, they really added they added so many different elements. And I've watched a lot of Christmas carols and that wasn't even like I've I rewatched all the ones I had seen previously. So I've seen. So many fucking Christmas carols in my life. <laughs> and honestly, most of them. Mike, mo- can you in your house make something called a carol counter? And each time you add another one of these, you just kind of raise the temperature on the counter or the gauge. Umbug. Oh, until I umbug. die. Umbug. Yes. Until you've like seen it. them all. And or then I just like, pull out a gun. And then it's like uh, <laughs> uh, 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 something unclicks and a, a safe opens. and I just pull out a gun, and put it in my mouth and blow the trigger. Like I, once I get to a million gentlemen. Christmas carols. Yeah. Um, Here's your fun bucks. Cash them in. Yay. F- f- uh, confetti falls from the ceiling and I'm dead and alone. <laughs> but before I killed myself, what was I talking about? <laughs> your favorite uh, gimmicks of uh, Christmas. Oh, yeah, Carol yeah, yeah. The, but this one uh, goes so much further than that because it's hard for a Christmas Carol movie to really be bad because most of them, it really just comes down to acting and directing. And the story has been established slow. and everyone recognizes it's a good story. So yeah, no, you can't no one fuck really it up fixed, too much. No one really alters the story very much. So there's usually other reasons for why it, it a movie adaption doesn't work for A Christmas Carol. This one decides to throw so much, not like out, but like, well, let's really dig in. If we're changing the setting, like let's do, th- let's do different things with the ghosts. Let's add the, like this right. Groundhog Day aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that in terms of gimmick. The Groundhog's thing is definitely there. And Jamie, I swear, we're going to let you go because I think we cut you off eight times. <laughs> what, one fascinating thing I found out in research uh, for that movie is uh, apparently that was just a blank check project given to one of the actors from EastEnders whose like Willy Wonka golden ticket dream was he wanted to do crime. <laughs> uh, christmas carol for whatever reason so that's the only reason this exists and is so weird and takes so many chances is it was somebody's blank check which i fucking love <laughs> and the only thing that was shot down by the network was their original idea for tiny tim because they thought the traditional tiny tim was both really like saccharine and ableist they wanted tiny tim to be a badass street graffiti artist in a wheelchair <laughs> who was like really jacked. And that's why they called him Tiny Tim. And he'd be like this cool <laughs> underground artist. That <laughs> and, and the network said, let's no, make the most too extreme, two, the most 2000s era Tiny Tim we could. <laughs> God, I, could Tiny Tim be more unlikable? <laughs> I'm just ima- I'm just imagining a character from like a, fa- a very special episode of Family Matters. <laughs> Jamie, wasn't wasn't that just one of the main leads in Extreme Ghostbusters? 
You, you don't they get... stole my story. <laughs> I was like, you, you don't get more of that time than, oh, we can do better than Tiny Tim, who's kind of like not a great portrayal of a disabled person. Let's let's go full Burger King Kids Club. <laughs> Why haven't they done a Burger King Kids Club toy menu of uh, a Christmas Carol? You get like a little tiny, tiny Tim action figure with dying like, action. No, like his crutch comes up and it's got like a little peg missile in it. It can fire at uh, the other toys. <laughs> Scrooge like throws money out of his hands. Like he's got like a coin in his stomach. You push out and he, like psh, knocks over all the bad guys. Uh, God, that Tiny Tim would totally team up with the uh, Alice and Red Riding Hood from the Xenoscope Zeno, uh, comics. <laughs> How deep can we make these references? <laughs> Keep digging. But as far as um, uh, favorite uh, twists on like, bringing this story back goes, my favorite has absolutely got to be Richard Donner with Scrooged. Ooh, and yeah. not because of... Not even really because of uh, switching it to the modern era and doing the meta stuff, but just the simple twist of going as horror as you can possibly go with A Christmas Carol without turning it into a completely different story. And specifically, like, a horror satire, which is something that is present in Dickens' story. There is a lot of uh, LOL fuck the rich in that movie beyond its heavier social commentary which is something that is often very lost in the more morose uh dour adaptations it is a story that has more gravy than of grave to it it starts with a joke about a a doornail not being a particularly dead piece of ironmongery i would say the idea of goddamn capitalists makes me wonder half if this movie should be more popular in the current age or less popular because you see so much stuff now where people realize, like, hey, man, my life is pretty miserable because, uh, like, one percenters basically have found all sorts of different ways to game the economy long enough where the system is hopeless if you're not already rich. But on the other hand, we also have a giant subculture of people who will just dedicate themselves to grifting as hard as possible, to live in the grind life, or you should have two jobs at all times, you should be buying real estate, all of these things to make additional money. So it feels like a giant schism in society of you either need to desperately desperately try to get all the cash you can so you can make it and be like the top guys or like abject horror at the idea of oh god we're in a money system and fucking everything's bleeding to death oh god can all the guys who unironically worship patrick bateman now move on to standing scrooge (laughs) i mean if if a christmas carol came out today for the first time there would be people that unironically are like "Mm, scrooge was better before he got soft you, you would have, like, you know, the Jordan Belfort, Belfort guys who are like, no, I don't see Jim anything Cook wrong with Jim Cook would what... love them. Yeah, it's it's weird because that's such a big part of the commentary of this goddamn thing. It's not just Scrooge was nice. It's Scrooge stopped being essentially a predator and using his capital to make everyone else miserable like a dragon. There's also, I think, there's elements of the story that make it into some adaptions and, and most don't really do this. And it's because they, they make... They focus solely on the grubby rich guy aspect of Scrooge. And despite the fact we go into the past, they don't really focus on that Scrooge is also very like broken, lonely human being that was kind of like both forged through kind of like trauma into the person that he is. And very few do that correctly. It's I, I think the Muppet version does that pretty well. Um, I think the George C. Scott version and the Patrick Stewart version do that pretty well. Um, uh, Crime Story does that pretty well. But most tend to have him just be grumpy and miserly and just like a bad rich guy who then becomes a good rich guy and kind of misses out, I think, on some of the more like kind of like psychological aspects of yeah. Scrooge's change and like why he is the way he is, which I actually think is more interesting if you wanted to do like a modern version where you could do like there's there's different ways you could approach it you could have it be you know a rich one percenter who changes his ways and you see like what how he got here uh or somebody who is like obsessed with hustle and grind culture and realizes what life is really about or fucking you i was thinking today you could literally do one where it's like your republican family member (laughs) 
and then learns like how the world actually works and (laughs) oh god it's the opposite of an american barrel yeah i i would say too uh it's better when they go back and show, oh, hey, Scrooge was having a good time for a while in his life. Like, he wasn't miserable. He was happy. It wasn't about money. He was just a normal dude. Um, and then having some sort of inciting incident to show, like, why he turned the way he did is nice. Otherwise, it always feels very strange that we get a character in slot B that doesn't feel like he came from slot A. Yeah. So it's it's not – I mean, they definitely, I think, show that in something like A Christmas Carol, A Muppet Christmas Carol. Um Sometimes they kind of skip over it, which is a shame because it could prove the point. Hey, Scrooge wasn't always a bad guy. He he kind of dealt with trauma in a bad way or, you know, let a corrupting force kind of guide him. Like you could do something with that lesson right there of just, no, 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 no. He's reverting back to his good state. He was kind of choosing to be an asshole. Yeah, he was broken down. Like as much as I love a Muppet Christmas Carol, obviously because it's a fucking Muppet movie, they couldn't like... <laughs> do a lot of the things that are in it that are in the book and in a lot of other adaptions. And, but one thing I, that does kind of like bug me is at fuzzy winks party, fuzzy winks, fuzzy winks. I'm sorry. Ah. I'm right. <laughs> um, that was actually really good. Thank you. I don't just do Kermit. I, <laughs> I don't just do Kermit. Cody contains um. multitudes. Goddamn. <laughs> um, so what like, on my gonzo? I'll get back to you. Uh, my one thing is like, you, you still see Stooge being like studious and uptight there. Um, and you, and you, you, you've already kind of left out stuff from his childhood and like the way his father treated him, obviously because it's a Muppet movie. Yeah. It'd be really, really weird that. if they showed like young Michael Caine getting like caned or just his family being in abject poverty. Yeah. They <laughs> just... pretty much like leave out the sister stuff for the, and, and all that for good reason. But I do wish they showed that, that Scrooge was like, a normal guy at one point and they don't really quite do that i wish i could remember which one it was but there was one adaptation from the 2000s that featured its own unique version of scrooge's childhood where he sees his father carried away by the police to debtor's prison as he screams to Ebenezer, save every penny. Do not be charitable. You must be miserly. I will, father. I will. Like it's the opening of Shallow Howl. Yes, I will become a bat. <laughs> I love that at some point somebody thought that a Christmas carol was too subtle. <laughs> I also really appreciate the uh, in the George C. Scott version, they add a little bit of a extra wrinkle of his like they kind of switch around like him and his sister's like birth um, and his mother died giving birth to Scrooge instead of a uh, fan and <laughs> like a, a the wrong boy died kind of situation. Yeah. There. But but they add the extra wrinkle that fan. They usually do this. Um but I, they, I had this. They add this, like this little poignant piece of nature to it of a fan dying, giving birth to his nephew, and that's like that was like one of the nails in in Scrooge's coffin is like looking at him and seeing her. So they even do a thing where it's like he can't like look directly at him. Um, and I really like that additional wrinkle because they just add all these little breadcrumbs throughout Scrooge's life in that one as to what adds up to where he is. Oh, that one moment at Fezziwig's party where uh, Christmas past tells him, oh, you know, he looks so much like your sister, and you get this little, like, flustered look, and then, oh, I never noticed, <laughs> from Scott. And, like, <laughs> like, kind of like a little, like, uh, almost like pleasant old man smile, like, oh, you, you've, ca- you've caught me in something that that's flustered me, which is out of character for Scrooge, but he's genuinely caught off guard. Yeah, I, I love everything Scott does in that film. He he brings such a completely different nature to Scrooge than any other actor. Like as much as I love fucking Michael Caine as Scrooge, he is probably my favorite. He the like kind of dry wit and sarcasm he brings, it, it adds like he there's this facade he's clearly putting up and you see it break now and again and you see him trying to still pretend to be miserly as the story progresses where he's still being like kind of hard up about things but you can tell that he's kind of making himself 
react that way. He doesn't want to like show the spirits that they're getting to him. An essential part of uh, his character that shows up to varying degrees in adaptations is the the fact that Scrooge is at the end of the day like somebody who has closed himself from all closed himself off from all warmth and comfort. Like you were saying earlier, it's not just a money thing. It's not just about not being charitable. It's about shutting down that part of you completely to the to the extent where in a good adaptation it's they make it a point to show that scrooge denies himself any luxuries of a rich man yes right down to demanding being cold which scott's the only scrooge where i've ever actually bought no he sits in the dark and freezes all night yeah (laughs) Yeah, there's like four, like out of all the hundreds versions of A Christmas Carol, there's like four that include the fact that he doesn't give himself any luxuries. He, every night he goes and just gets the cheapest meal at, at some bar somewhere. Like he just gets like scraps. It's, he doesn't, he's not, he's not even hoarding his money to enjoy it. He, there's nothing in his home. He sits by an empty fire and, the nicest thing it, are his bed liddens. To borrow a Radiohead lyric, uh, I'm not living, I'm just killing time. <laughs> beautiful code. But I, it's beautiful. I, I saw it from Radiohead. Of course it's beautiful. Uh, but I, I would say, too, even the weird Zemeckis animated one kind of goes into that. It's rarer than you'd think. But, it, yeah, it does kind of feel out of place if you don't get a little bit more of the psychological edge to that story. <laughs> Like, I always thought, like, man, at the very least, this guy should buy some really nice slippers. He's going to spend, like, 90% of the movie, and he should have gold lace everything. Yeah, it's 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 like how people don't, like, misunderstand um, what humbug means. Like, when you kind of get into, the like, the misunderstanding of the meaning of that word or why he uses it, you start missing out on what Scrooge's character is actually about. Like, he's not greedy, actually. Like, that's not actually what his thing is. He's not a money hoarder. He's not greedy. He doesn't, it's for him. It's like, it's about hard work and like this laser focus humbug is meant to be uh you don't Christmas is a farce and he's the only one who sees it. Pretty much anybody being good to somebody else is a farce. He's a damaged human being who believes everyone's going to hurt him. So in his mind, everyone's an enemy. Everyone's going to hurt each other. Everyone's deluding themselves into believing, especially on this one day of the year where they all have to be charitable. It's all empty. It's all false. It doesn't mean anything. They they don't actually feel that way. And it's a defense mechanism. Like, that's what Scrooge is about. He's not actually just a greedy piece of shit. But you're saying that I had to look up Humbug on Wikipedia uh, just to see what the history of the word was. And surprisingly enough, it first appeared in 1751 as student slang. Which I appreciate. We now have student slang is a fully accepted uh, word always associated, though, specifically with one story. That means that 100% meant ass at the time. <laughs> I, just, humbug. I mean, people always get mad when like a phrase that gets cooked up on TikTok or something enters the normal lexicon and then gets put into like the dictionary word of the year contest. That's or something. just how language works. Yeah, that's essentially it. Yeah, I always want to tell people, like, look at old words. We didn't just come with these from, like, academic sources. <laughs> a lot of these were just weird things people said one time, and their friend was like, huh, I like that, and then it became popular. Half of the language in Shakespeare's plays were, be- were street slang being written down for the first time. <laughs> the word <laughs> wheelbarrow was controversial to people for five minutes. <laughs> the one that uh, always gets me is apparently he invented the phrase, like, the snow blanketed the earth, and people are like, what? What? You can't say that. It's snow. It doesn't blanket. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, I just really appreciate that one because it's such like, a good <laughs> yeah. You can use, like, figurative language. It's okay. And people apparently back at that time were like, fucking weirdo, what are you doing? You can't use blanket that way. I, I will say, uh, just because this is a pet peeve of mine, Shakespeare was the first person to write down these words that people were using. He is not, Correct, yeah. as one cracked article once famously put it, the inventor of half the English language, because that would mean his plays would just be noises to people. I really love that idea, though, that he was just making shit up and everyone in the audience is like, Ugh, are there like subtitles or notes I should have? <laughs> Oh, it's like Master Exploder from Tenacious D. Everyone's heads just exploded. 
I was just saying, it's like modern day reading Shakespeare. If you were in a high school doing it, they have to give you like the literal text on the left and then like the annotated version on the right that's like rewritten so modern audiences can understand it. <laughs> I like the idea of even in the day it was made, people were like in theaters and they had like poorly written parchment versions explaining like, yo dog, he meant it snowed. <laughs> well, God, speaking of Shakespeare, that was something I wanted to, to bring up, which is... Uh, a wrinkle that's very unique to A Christmas Carol. There's very few literary adaptions that carry this consistently throughout, you know, the history of cinema. 90% of the time, they're mostly using beat for beat, just the plot of the book and often entire passages, if not just using all the dialogue from the book, like especially in many, many of the best ones, which is comparable only to maybe Dracula and Shakespeare. Which is part part of the fun of of going through so many different adaptations is just seeing those little twists on a line, that slight rephrasing of one famous uh, famous phrase, like seeing how George C. Scott's delivery of "There's more of gravy than of grave to you" me- measures up with Albert Finney and Patrick Stewart and the rest. I think that's a sign we're getting old, where all of a sudden you appreciate theater. Like, ooh, well, I've seen the play a hundred times before, but I haven't seen him say the lines. Hey, this was me when I was nine. <laughs> oh, no, an old soul. But no, seriously, I don't know what Albert Finney was doing in that movie. He's like Gollum. I haven't seen it. So could someone could someone uh, try to do his line reading? You'd be giving an approximation. I could not. He's like a monster in that thing. <laughs> kind of sounds like his uh, his big fish voice. You are ready for a surprise. Hold on, hold on. I know this isn't live, so we could just pause this, but I, I'm going to look this up and listen to it in real time. He was like, thir- <laughs> like in his 30s, like 33 or something when he did that. And wh- it's fucked up is you like, you know what old Albert Finney is now? <laughs> yes. So it was young Albert Finney doing what he thought would be old Albert Finney. Ah. And it's so far off. Let's see. I'm I'm having a hard time. Which is a lot like of making of <laughs> delightful. The Baba Yaga of Christmas. Uh, I'm bit. seeing a lot of the making of Scrooge, 1970. I'm trying to find like one specific clip. I just I just want to hear him like belt one out. I want to hear a Tom Waits, Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, just just search um, uh, Christmas Carol. Uh, I hate people. Yeah, oh, I just goes. want to see uh, right Michael Caine's uh, Ebenezer Scrooge pick up a microphone and sing "Dirt in the Ground." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. raps. I, I have I have the clip up. I need give me one minute of silence. <laughs> yeah, I hate people. <laughs> That's the best part of the movie. I have heard them. Okay, fine. He sounds like, like he's about to give Theseus, like, a fucking <laughs> task. <laughs> that rare deleted scene from Immortals no one's seen. And then at the end, he's fucking dressed as Santa Claus, dancing around, singing. It's fucking bizarre. You must go retrieve the biggest goose, or you shall fall on your caboose. <laughs> <laughs> Spruce Goose, what are you doing here? I do not like that movie. Anyway, I, I'm sorry I, I stepped on Jamie's point. She brought up Albert Finney, and I just, it triggered me a little bit. They can't not all like be good, version. Mike. I do not all like that version. those supremacy memories. Technically, the, of, the Netflix one, I think, is like a remake of that one. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Christmas carols we don't like, uh, what's, what's the list? Like, for Mike, I think we already know the answer. Uh, hmm. For me, I just watched the Robert Zemeckis version again last night. And not that it was bad, per se, but maybe misguided. Like, letting Jim Carrey yeah. do as much Jim Carrey shit as he does while also trying to rein him in for most of the performance is a weird, upsetting blend. Especially because it tries to go into a more horror direction, which is too effective. Seeing Jim Carrey just do weird accents and have his weird face transposed onto a flame person, it's unsettling. It's a movie that has no idea what its tone is, especially yeah, since its tone's action all beats are 100% for small children. Yeah, and they go way too long, and it seems like that's jokey fun, and then it's like, here's Wanton Ignorance, they're trying to fuck me. It's it's a weird movie. Uh, and it doesn't help that it's still kind of early days of CGI 
filmmaking when this was put together, so the animation still is a little soulless behind the eyes. It Not doesn't look express that great. level, but no, but it still doesn't look great. Carrie as the uh, ghost of Christmas present is honestly terrifying. Every time he does his big laugh, it's just like, oh god, this guy's a murderer. <laughs> I will never understand the trend of having actors voice act opposite each other or, or, or uh, voice act opposite themselves. Like, oh, why do we? Why can't we use Tony Todd when we can have Benedict Cumberbatch talk to Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's probably a weird thing to say that that's the worst one. It's it's probably just because it's a very high profile one and it was very expensive to make that makes me dislike it more. But we've had so many low budget or weird ones through the years. It's it's probably stupid to say that's the worst one. There are very few truly bad Christmas carols. There's boring ones and then there's like the weird like side christmas carol stuff i would say yeah like uh remember the fx christmas carol miniseries i haven't seen it so i can't judge it but it just seemed wild to me that they came out with like a three hour long adaptation of a christmas carol that whole selling point was we got guy pierce and this one's fucking dark guys uh i don't know if anybody wants that i think (laughs) Like, there's gotta be a certain level of creepiness and spookiness to A Christmas Carol, but it it needs to be balanced out by warmth in certain parts for the whole thing to work. It can't just be everything is miserable the entire time until, like, the last ten minutes, I presume. Oh, oh God, remember only a couple of years ago, Dan Stevens was Charles Dickens in a Christmas Carol Shakespeare in Love movie? I had not seen it, but I saw it like for sale, the DVD for sale uh, at like Target. Did anyone check that one out? I I did not see it. It was apparently good. Yeah, people people do really dig that. I guess it's kind of like a um, like in the wheelhouse of like Finding Neverland, Neverland or whatever it's fucking called. Okay, and who doesn't love Dan Stevens? Yeah, I'm I'm scrolling through uh, the IMDb list of Christmas carols uh, just to see. What other weird ones have fallen through the cracks that I might not have noticed? Apparently, last year, we had one called Scrooge, A Christmas Carol, which is an animated one with Luke Evans. That's the one. I think that's the remake oh, of... Oh, it's Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's probably the one you're talking Albert about. one, yeah. <laughs> I hope he has the same voice. <laughs> what else do we have here? Uh, Christmas Carol, the musical with Kelsey Grammer. Uh, that's a hard pass for me. That one was on Tubi. Uh, didn't want it. I kind of remember watching that when it first aired. I think that was like in early 2000s. Uh, we've got the Henry Winkler version. Oh, the Henry Winkler version is fucking wild. An American Christmas Carol. It takes yeah. place in 1930s America with uh, Henry Winkler, not as Scrooge, but as an unrelated, uh, I believe uh, uh, he's a landlord who's like terrified, terrorizing uh, a city in New Hampshire. Uh, his character and, name is Benedict Slade, which sounds like it should be a DC villain. Who exists in a universe with a Christmas carol, because at one point he destroys a priceless collection of rare books, and on the top of the pile is a Christmas carol, and he gleefully rips it apart, at pronouncing it nonsense. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is awful, because it's from 1979, so it's Henry Winkler in old age makeup doing old man acting doing rick it's, it's rick baker old age makeup too rick yeah. baker consulted it's, on that that's wild it's, it's a lot i think a lot of it is though henry winkler moves pretty fast but he also kind of gives himself a little bit of a hunch which it's it's like he kind of understands he needs to be old but he's got too much vigor for him uh, to be the age he's playing oh it's every young guy playing an old man on on in like a vaudeville act you've ever seen it's very weird yeah also, it has the most 70s uh, take on the ghosts ever, where the ghost of Christmas future is a well-dressed black man from the 1970s who tells Winkler that the future is coming, whether the white man wants it or not. <laughs> it the future is now, old man. Kind of <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> um Tying into what you were saying, Jamie, just for a second, at the start of that little synopsis, uh, was the fact that An American Christmas Carol was like a 1930s story. I found a dark theory on why Scrooge was so miserly, you know, one of those Reddit things people make up. Is that, Scrooge that, that, dead the whole time? No, surprisingly, the, the theory was Scrooge is so miserly because he grew up during the Napoleonic Wars, which were... Uh, 
like decade long, you know, it, it basically it was a time where England was going through huge boycotts of all their goods from first France and then the United States. So they, they were like scrapped for supplies. Like they didn't have a lot, enough food to cover people. So having money would be difficult, which makes me think, oh, the Great Depression might be a good timeline for a Christmas Carol kind of thing where people desperately need money and then you have people hoarding it. I just find I'm it actually funny surprised that to, hasn't happened more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just find it funny people had to like make a dark theory to be like, Scrooge probably grew up destitute on the streets and the, the French wouldn't allow food to be given to the British and he was starving and that's why though he's the way he is. That's like, you know, when you hear your great grandma who like grew up during the Great Depression, it's like, we'll eat squirrel stew, it'll be good. That squirrel stew is fantastic. Have you ever had it Brunswick stew? It's very good. Uh, um, oh, it's not the first it time I've, yeah, that's I, I, not the first time I've heard that theory and I'm mad that's not the first time I've heard that theory. Uh, I only stumbled onto it because I was searching for how old Scrooge was supposed to be in the story and and somehow those got linked through Google results because it'll just spit out whatever you want now. You won't actually be what you're looking for, but here's some random crap. Enjoy it. According to Albert Finney, he's in like his 900s. (laughs) This is unrelated to everything we've just spoken about, but I think if you were ever an animated show that had more than one season, it's a crime if you didn't produce some sort of Christmas Carol episode. There was a fucking all dogs go to heaven Christmas Carol. Mr. Magoo got one. The Flintstones it's a got one. Car face. What? <laughs> it's a wonderful car face. The uh, the all dogs go to heaven. Christmas Carol movie. They they dedicated an entire movie to that. That wasn't even like an episode of the TV show. Oh Jesus! I got remember the two mutually exclusive Scrooge is an old black lady now. Uh, movies from the late nineties. Miss Scrooge and a Diva's Christmas Carol. I was a big fan of both of those. Miss Scrooge, to... Scrooge is actually like legitimately like solid. That, that one was actually like very, um, I, I remember like being fa- like for what it is, fairly effective and cold. I'm not encouraging people to pirate, but I just had to look up an all dogs Christmas Carol. And sure enough, the first result is a YouTube link to the entire goddamn film. One, all one hour and 10 minutes and 22 seconds. Well, I know what we're doing. There we go. Uh, I also like that people asked, what is the dog version of the Christmas Carol? Did Ebenezer Scrooge have a dog? In one version, in one animated version, he has a fucking dog. <laughs> I would hate to be Ebenezer Scrooge's dog. That, that one's not great. So hard. It's from like 97. I think it's Tim Curry is Scrooge. <laughs> Scrooge has a dog named Debit in this animated yes, musical. Debit. <laughs> it's a uh, weirdly, it includes scenes that are not in some adaptions, but it's not. Great, and the fact he hangs out with a dog is very strange to me. <laughs> Looper has 12 most trippy moments in Scrooge A Christmas Carol ranked. Goddamn, uh, Looper. Looper, you can find a link to everything. Oh, I can't read it, though, because I've got Adblocker on, and they won't let me on their website. <sighs> never mind, we'll never find out the 12 trippiest moments in this Netflix gruel. But seriously, a Flintstones Christmas Carol is not good. I was very angry when I watched that this morning. We were bitching about that earlier. I, I was saying, like, I don't think I could ever get through more than, like, 20 minutes of that as a kid. I, like I wanted to watch it today. And I just, and yeah, it is, I couldn't get to load. I was kind of disappointed. And then you complained lucky. about it. So, yeah, apparently I lucked out. It is. It feels like it's three hours long. It just goes and goes. And it's so... There's nothing to it. It's it's most fascinating aspect is it has a character from Flintstones kids in his only adult appearance. Ah. Also, it sounds like it's just kind of ripping off Scrooge reading the, the plot line here. Fred is cast as Ebenezer Scrooge in a stage adaptation, adaptation of the story, but is acting a bit stingy in real life. So Wasn't that also the plot of the Mr. Magoo uh, Christmas Carol? Probably. Probably. <laughs> um. Just rubber stamp them, they're all the same. He, like, forgets to pick up pebbles from school or some such shit. Like, he's so, he doesn't buy anybody Christmas gifts because he's so into the fact he's playing Scrooge. So he's just method acting? They're mad at him for being a method actor? He Daniel Day-Lewis it and they got mad at him? And there's a weird, like, subplot where there's this bedrock bug going around, so actors in in the play keep getting sick and Wilma has to replace them. And I think Fred wants to cheat on Wilma. It's so fucking weird. It's an hour nine. How do they fit all that in? And oh, it still I doesn't say, feel like enough. Mickey's Christmas Carol is only like 30 minutes long, like 30 flat. And that one really hits all of the essential beats of a Christmas Carol. That one rocks. I fucking love it. You can get that in like while you're having dinner. And it's That's like, a good I one. have That's seen a, a Christmas Carol. 
Also, the animation is real good in it. For being 80s Disney, that one is uh, particularly well done. Did Simpsons ever do a Christmas Carol parody? They had to uh, have. There's they, no way they didn't use Mr. Burns as Scrooge. Or they had to have used Mr. Burns as Scrooge before. Uh, two th- in the 2000s seasons, there was a pretty good for its time uh, Christmas episode that was about Homer it being introduced to the concept of a Christmas Carol through sitcom Christmas Carol episodes, and that making him realize that he's an asshole. <laughs> That's that exactly, awesome. honestly it's pretty brilliant. solid. That's clever. And Ho- Homer Homer wakes up the next day trying to tell the kids about. The, the greatest thing he's ever seen, as if no one's ever heard of a Christmas Carol before. We, we get to see the, we get to see Star Trek Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol is so popular popular that it has its own Simpsons wiki entry. Just to note all the times it's been referenced on the show, there are twenty eight so far, uh, including the Nightmare After Christmas, White Christmas Blues, Holidays of Futures Past. The Fight Before Christmas, Springfield Up, The Heartbreak, uh, The Heartbroke Kid, One of the Treehouse of Horrors, uh, Tis the 15th Season, which uh, includes a Mr. McGrew's Christmas Carol reference. Oh, Mr. McGrew's Christmas Carol, which is the parody of Mr. McGrew's Christmas Carol. Makes sense. I think that's the one that has the Star Trek and Family Matters parodies that Jamie was mentioning. Um, and the one I really remember, The Grift of the Magi, which randomly ends with Mr. Scrooge coming in with a bunch of money and turkey for, for everyone. Oh, that's right. That's right. Hey, qu- question. Was Mr. Magoo a pedophile? <laughs> Is this the second character you accused? Around him. I was trying to bookend. <laughs> but no, seriously, it's actually a legitimate question. This is something I've wondered for a while. Is Mr. Magoo an implied pedophile? If you can't trust J. Quincy Magoo with your children, who can you? I like Mr. Bean better. He's probably a pedophile, though. I could see that. <laughs> Mike would never leave his children with anyone who goes by Mr. Anything. <laughs> Blippy. Now, Blippy is a pedophile. <laughs> are we, we finding out Mike's blacklist for Christmas? Questionable things. These are all the fictional characters that Mike is giving coal to this year. This is the reason? Pedophiles. That's the only reason he gives out coal. <laughs> this, is, this is slowly turning into, like, we need to do a Christmas Carol parody. No, I don't <laughs> like that you're accusing people of stuff. And you're like, we should do a parody. No, I see where you're at. <laughs> Uh, I will say uh, a quick scan of Wikipedia, which is my my go to research <laughs> article of choice while we're on these calls, and I can't do any real reading. Doesn't have a whole pedophile section on it. So, <laughs> okay, hold on. I'm just going to ask. I mean, there's the AI thing with Google search now. So they maybe is there. You go. Try that, Mr. Magoo. A okay, it wasn't an autocomplete thing, which shocks me. Um, I got a uh, hit for Mr. Magoo and Magoo's Problem Child from 1956, uploaded by John Mayer. That's 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 a thing. Um, Adams County Sheriff's Office sexually violent predator community. I guess that's a forum. I don't know. Hmm. Um, no, I'm getting no responses. I guess no one. Um, something about Bad Bunny. Um, oh, here we go. This is actually the entire third act of the Mr. Magoo film from. Uh, <laughs> 1997. I knew it. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell is actually no. I'm, I'm making this up. Unk, <laughs> <Onk>, no. <laughs> well, we started with the Christmas Carol. Now we've dived into Mr. Magoo, which is probably a sign we need to let things go. Uh, right, but before we wrap up, can, can I just briefly mention the worst version of a Christmas Carol I could find? Which I yes. obviously did not watch, but I just want to do a brief, a, brief, a brief summary of the fact that this exists. 1978's Rich Little's Christmas Carol, broadcast oh one time God. on HBO. They had a Star Wars Christmas movie of... <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. Rich oh, Little. This is a movie where Rich Little plays every role through the magic of green screen. <laughs> Oh my god, we have to and track this down. Role is, each role is a celebrity impression. Uh, yeah, we gotta watch just this. because we've been typing a lot of Christmas Carol things into Google recently, but I typed Rich Little, and it's the second thing that pops up under your search results. <laughs> There's a, a 47-minute video at the top of the YouTube results. That might be it. Yep, it's, you it's, might have it's access. Not, it's they could barely fit an hour of it. It is Rich Little as W.C. Fields as Ebenezer Scrooge, Paul Lind as Bob Cratchit, 
Johnny Carson as Fred, Laurel and Hardy as the solicitors. You ever seen someone do both parts of Laurel and Hardy with a green screen? You shouldn't. Richard Mm. Nixon as Jacob Marley, Humphrey Bogart as Christmas Past, Groucho Marx as Fizzy Wig, Jimmy Stewart as Dick Wilkins, Columbo as the Ghost of Christmas Present, Edith Bunker as Mrs. Cratchit, Truman (laughs) Capote as Tiny Tim, and it's as offensive as you think. Why? Why are we doing this? As the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, and Jack Benny as a boy. (laughs) I don't want to get the little boy who gets the goose. And people think comedy has gotten worse. I don't want to get anyone too excited, but you can actually buy Rich Little's Christmas Carol and Robin Hood on a dual featured DVD for oh about boy. $50 on Amazon. Oh, nope. I'm sorry. It's sold out. Get it on video disc. Uh, yeah. Nope, so I take it back. Apple. They've got a used copy. They've got a used one oh, for $49 in good condition and $4.88 delivery. Every penny. I uh, can I have a give copy it to a sick dying child or bring him back to life. I could have a copy of this in eight days at my house. I, I could it. be watching this movie. No. Oh, Do it. I'm mad now. No. Maybe it comes with a copy of the uh, Rich Little movie from a, u- a few years before that where he played Nixon and he and Agnew were Laurel and Hardy for two hours. He made an entire movie that's just a Laurel and Hardy impression, but it's the president. Oh, boy. Uh Daisy 899, I'm sorry I will not be purchasing your used copy of Richard Little's Christmas Carol and Robin Hood DVD. Oh my God. I'm, looking up, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. Despite not being filmed in front of a studio audience, Rich Little's Christmas Carol had a laugh track at it. Yes! Yes. It's for, it, it, it was for his benefit, so he felt accomplished. God bless us, each and every one, especially Rich Little. On the opposite side of the spectrum, just uh, an honorable mention before we uh, before we wrap things up. And Jamie and I will, could talk in like an hour about this. So we'll just mention to reach out and watch A Christmas Carol Goes Wrong. Yes. Oh, yeah. Delightful. I get, watch all of the uh, Goes Wrong BBC specials and uh, their one season TV show, which I think is all still for free on YouTube. But A Christmas Carol Goes Wrong especially is both hysterical and actually works as a legit version of A Christmas Carol. I'm glad we got one good recommendation in before letting this burn down on such an awful note. Mr. Magoo? Uh, Rich Little, also possibly pedophile Mr. Magoo. No, well, Rich Little is definitely a pedophile. Mm, like, Mike's we're all in agreement rose. for that one, right? I mean, man of a thousand uh, Breaking news, box office hit by, hit by cease and desist order. <laughs> we might get sued because of me. Probably. Uh, I don't know this man, if any litigator is listening to this show. I'll put that on paper. Anyways, before Box Office Pulp has to go into the Witness Relocation Program, you can find more of this show on boxofficepulp.com. You can find us on pretty much wherever you would go for your podcast. We're not hard to find. We swear to God, uh, be it Spotify or Google Music, we're around. And uh, boy, actually, yeah, yeah. that one's smooth enough where I'm like, I, I did I? I should. Did I was I about to say, thing? like, I like how you you pause because you've never done it in one go like that before. I yeah, I'm mystified. It's a Christmas miracle. Oh, you learned your lesson. Did three spirits visit you before you did the uh, outro? They hit me with sticks. I was put into a bag, and they just said the beatings would continue until I learned how to close out my own show I've been doing for a decade. It worked. It's a beautiful lesson. Anyways, folks, hope you have a Merry Christmas, uh, Crazy Kwanzaa, uh, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you're into. That's a wrap. But like Christmas wrapping, get it? It's not like our normal. It's a wrap. This one's topical. Oh, we wrap about a Christmas Carol over the end. No, no. (laughs) How how is that not a thing that happened in the nineties? Yeah, Ice T's a Christmas Carol. Why the fuck (laughs) go back into that? Let's use time travel, real time travel for that. Let's get that fucking movie made. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, we get we got a diva's Christmas Carol, not a gangsta's Christmas Carol. Mike, is it only real-time travel to you if it's in, like, a hot tub? Uh, a hot tub or, like, a cardboard box that has, like, electrical the Calvin wires and Hobbs, to it. Calvin yeah. and, yeah, yeah, like, their time travel box. Okay. I might accept the primer box. Nobody knows how that works. I don't even think they're going back in time. I think they were just high. I figured it out one time. 
but I've no, lost it since didn't. then. You're a liar. I, no I spent an entire zero. afternoon like going over all the graphs and shit, and I think I figured it out. I also I haven't seen you. Primer in a while, so I probably just was deluding myself. You are Yeah, lying. that's where I'm at. No, no one understands Primer. Do they? No one Why filmed don't? Primer. It just was there one day on the Primer's been there since the oldest days. It's from the time before, like uh, like Galactus. So I got a photo of the Overlook Hotel, and in the crowd is a DVD copy of Primer. Primer, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's kind of a Christmas Carol movie. I mean, you kind of like learn a moral lesson. This is why I wrapped up the show, and now we're just reaching at straws. And like that, he's gone. This here show is brought to you by Zencaster, the all-in-one solution for podcasting that's easy is logging in and hitting record. With Zencaster, you get studio-quality sound up to 4K video right from your browser. No more worrying about unstable connections thanks to Zencaster's multi-layered backups that ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality. But that's not all. Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound like a pro. It automatically removes those pesky ums and ahs and even those awkward pauses in conversation. If only it could remove those from my love life. But gone are the days of needing a bunch of different tools and services to create a podcast. Zencaster's complete platform lets you create, edit, and distribute your podcast all in one place, allowing you to easily publish to Spotify, Apple, and all other major destinations. So why wait? Start your podcasting journey with Zencaster today and experience the Zen of podcasting. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code BOXOFFICEPULP and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story.